Hello, everyone. Let's make it my. There we go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this Goodwill Meditation Group webinar. Um, today is Wednesday, March 29th, and we are so glad to have all of you joining us here today um, for this special, special event. Um, today's theme is Goodwill and the Politics of Being. As usual, we will start with a brief introduction followed by a meditation. And then later we will have um, a guest speaker, Thomas Legrand, um, as well as a discussion on the theme. So thank you, Thomas. We're looking forward to having you here today. Um, so we meet here today to take part in a meditation on goodwill. That is sort of the main focus of this webinar. Um, but we also do discuss some of the difficulties and problems that humanity faces. Goodwill exists wherever the heart, the mind, and the hand are allied towards the common good. And our work seeks to empower the human heart and mind towards the fulfillment of this good, whatever form of expression it takes. And so this Goodwill Meditation Group works with this energy, and it seeks to strengthen its presence and expression through all manners of human thinking and relationship. And this group meets subjectively at Wednesday, every Wednesday at noon in your local time zone. We invite you all to link up on your own and participate in this worldwide group meditation every week. This webinar meets on the last Wednesday of each month and seeks to support the weekly work of the group and introduce um, new members to the work as well. So as I said, I'm here today with, uh, well, I didn't say this actually, but I am here today with my colleague, Stephen Nation, um, as well as our special guest, Thomas Legrand. Just a, a brief introduction. Thomas Legrand um, holds a PhD in ecological economics. He has also studied international development, political science, and management. He works in the field of sustainability for UN agencies, NGOs, and the private sector. He is currently the lead technical advisor for Conscious Food Systems, excuse me, the Conscious Food Systems Alliance, which is convened by UNDP. Thomas's spiritual journey began at 23, and he embraces a variety of spiritual traditions. And he currently lives at the monastery of the Zen Master Thichnot Han um, in the southwest of France. So today, Thomas will be speaking. Thomas is also author um, in 2022 of the book, Politics of Being. And so Thomas, we look forward to hearing from you later today about all of that. Um, before we proceed though, let us just join together in a brief um, recollection, um, followed by the sounding of the mantra of the new group of world servers, which will appear on your screen. May the power of the one life pour through the group of all true servers. May the love of the one soul characterize the lives of all who seek to aid the great ones. May we fulfill our part in the one work through self-forgetfulness, harmlessness, and right speech. So when considering this very important question, of the spiritual nature and purpose of the human being, it is really this second word, being, which holds the key. 
to understand being begs a deeper understanding of consciousness and the nature of that life which pervades and informs all things. Such an investigation requires us to look both within and without, above and below, to God imminent and God transcendent, to get the fullest picture of both the microcosmic self, but also that vast web of relationships which comprise the macrocosmic whole, that greater life in which we are said to, quote, have our being. Common to all spiritual traditions is the belief in God, a supreme deity who governs and interpenetrates all creation. Though traditions differ on the nature of this omnipotent power, there are some fundamental points of similarity. The ageless wisdom, which is based on the synthesis of science, religion, and philosophy, provides clarity on not only the nature of God imminent and transcendent, but also the nature of being and consciousness. And in doing so, it provides a framework for a deeper understanding of human purpose and responsibility in the modern world. The ageless wisdom postulates that all life is one, that there is only one life and process of manifestation on various planes through a practically endless differentiation of forms. This one life is the singular source from which all creation emerges. It includes both spirit and matter, for it is both the essence of every atom as well as the source from which proceed the many lives which build and form the worlds. Being, then, is life, the most fundamental principle of every form, human or otherwise. The one life, being existent in all lives, affirms that each unit is part of a greater whole. Unlike popular science, the ageless wisdom sees consciousness not as a cognitive function, an experience or feeling arising from the human brain, but as a fundamental property shared by all units of life. And it is this innate ability of each thing, from a chemical atom to a human being, to respond to their environment in some way. Consciousness is therefore the basis of relationship and of interaction, and is the foundation of interconnectedness. The fact that even so-called inorganic matter possess consciousness, the ability to respond to other units of the same grade, affirms the fundamental nature of reality is relationship. It is unity, and it is interconnectedness. <laughs> Not all forms of life, however, possess self-consciousness, this, this principle being first truly developed um, in the human being. And though some animals do show signs of self-consciousness in the physical sense, um, true self-consciousness is only possible via that spark of mind which animals do not possess. Consciousness exists on every plane. And the human being is composed of seven principles, each with their own type of consciousness and ability to respond to environment in one or other of its many grades. And only the lowest four of these are awakened in the average person, which composes the sum total of personality, while the higher three constitute the highest expression of individuality or the ego in its true sense. And so human beings are conscious on all of these levels at once, and this is what makes us unique. The special privilege of the human being, as I said, is to be fully, is the capacity to be fully conscious both on this physical plane, this lower plane, as well as the mental plane, as well as these higher spiritual aspects of our nature, and to thereby link between all of them. 
It is the mind which links the spiritual to the mundane principles. And it is through the quality of human thought and through new paradigms of thought, that is, new ideals, that human thinking can begin to mirror divine intention. And today we see many people in the world, one of which, of course, is our guest, uh, Thomas Legrand, so clearly enunciating the new ideals and thought forms which can and should govern every aspect of human civilization. From family, health, and nature, to education, economy, and governance, there is no area of human living or human enterprise which wouldn't be transformed when approached from the perspective that human beings and the world around us are fundamentally one and united. And one of the greatest tasks that we can undertake in pursuit of a world based on spiritual principles, the spiritual principles of unity and goodwill, rather than competition and separation, for instance, one of the greatest tasks that we can undertake to this end is to uphold the vision of the one life and humanity's spiritual potential for good. And these two things fundamentally require, well, they require a, a few things, but fundamentally they, requ they require faith. And this is not sort of this blind faith or this sort of, uh, this sort of, oh, let me just, um, you know, ignore reality and indulge in some ideal of, of what things could be. No, they, the, the faith that is required to uphold this vision is a faith which is based on an intelligent recognition of the spiritual potential of the human being. It is based on the fact of the, the fact of the soul, which is eminent in every human heart and also transcendent in nature, even if not perfectly expressed. This faith and vision is based on the fact that divinity is real and that divinity can and does act and that its chosen vehicle to do so at this time is humanity. This faith is also based on the firm belief that the will to good is an especially human trait and that it can overcome every obstacle. And it can do so because this same inherent goodness, this same will, is um, present and underlies all manifested creation. It is present today in human thinking. It is present today in human relationships. And it is present today in human action to a greater degree than probably ever before in human history. So let us keep these things in mind today as we um, engage or uh, do our meditation here shortly and also in our discussion, which uh, we all look forward to after that. So let us now take a moment to align ourselves And let's begin by linking up in thought with all those people throughout the world who are working with this Goodwill Meditation Group. And we reflect on the fact of relationship. 
you are related to your family. your community, your nation, the world of nations. and with the one humanity made up of all races and nations. And recognizing this vast web of overlapping relationships, we sound together the mantra of unification. The souls of all are one, and I am one with them. I seek to love, not hate. I seek to serve and not exact due service. I seek to heal, not hurt. Let pain bring due reward of light and love. Let the soul control the outer form and life and all events and bring to light the love that underlies the happenings of the time. Let vision come and insight. Let the future stand revealed. Let inner union demonstrate and outer cleavages be gone. Let love prevail. Let all people love. And now we reflect upon our own and humanity's relationship with all those beings who dwell in the higher realms of mind and heart. This is the spiritual hierarchy of saints, of rishis, of bodhisattvas, which are honored by all the world's religions and spiritual groups, though called by many names. Now imagine that you are standing together 
within the center of the spiritual hierarchy, and immersed in the consciousness of the heart of love. For some, this heart of love is known as the Christ. Other faiths have other names for the one at the center. Now maintaining that high point of contact lets your thoughts reach out to include all members of the human family in whom the energy of goodwill is active. We use the affirmation. The center of all love I stand. From that center I the soul will outward move. From that center I the one who serves will work. May the love of the divine self be shed abroad in my heart, through my group, and throughout the world. And now we visualize the love flowing from the hierarchy through the men and women of goodwill and into the hearts and minds of all people, infusing them with goodwill and creating loving and harmonious human relationships. Meditate on ways of spreading goodwill, creating right human relationships, and restoring peace on earth.
realize that you are helping to build a channel through between the spiritual hierarchy and humanity through which the energy of goodwill may flow, uniting humanity, solving its problems, and healing all differences and cleavages. And now linked in thought with the men and women of goodwill all over the world, say the great invocation. Say it with deliberation and with full commitment to its meaning, knowing that you are radiating its potent energies to humanity. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into human minds. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into human hearts. May the coming one return to earth. From the center, where the will of God is known, let purpose guide all little human wills, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the human race, let the plan of love and light work out, and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. Thank you, everyone. So I'd like to invite now Thomas to turn on your video. I see you're right there, as well as Steve Nation. Hello, Steve, you're still muted. One second. Oh, there we go. Okay. Hi, Thomas. Hello, Steve. Hello, Michael. Hello, Thomas. Great to have you here. Thanks. Pleasure to be with you, everyone, today. So, um, actually, Thomas, I think we'll turn it over to you first to say a few words about your work. Um, and so I think Steve and I will go ahead and turn off our videos yeah. now, and we'll let you just take the floor for a bit, okay? Sure. Shall I okay. go with the presentation, right? Yeah, uh, you can, I think. Presentation? Yeah, yeah, go ahead and, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, I jumped the gun a little bit. I was about to start asking you questions. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you very much, Michael, for uh, the beautiful meditation and uh, introductory reflections. So I'm starting sharing my screen. Um, I think it's working now. Yeah, like this. Good. So hello, everyone. I'm uh, Thomas Legrand, connecting from France, actually next to uh, 
a mindfulness practice center called Plum Village from Zen master uh, Thich Nhat Hanh. And I'm uh, been invited to present you this uh, book and this uh, concept I've developed over the last 10 years, uh, which I call Politics of Being, uh, Wisdom and Science for a New Development Paradigm. That's the name uh, of the book, which was released uh, a year ago. Um, and um, I was very glad to hear uh, in the introductory reflection, you know, so much uh, synergies with um, with this work. Uh, there was a mention, you know, the need to bring together uh, science, spirit, uh, religion, and philosophy, which you know is echo in this subtitle, wisdom and science, and you know the whole thing about being and relationships. So as you you'll see as I present this, there's a lot of um, we have a lot of common grounds, of course, with uh, the interspiritual vision really standing for for wisdom here. So uh, the starting point for this reflection is really acknowledging the need for cultural evolution, and uh, which is you know more and more acknowledged by um, thought leaders, including you know in the in the UN system where I work at the moment. Uh, there is a sentence in the Human Development Report 2020: "Nothing short of a wholesale shift in mindsets is needed to navigate the brave new world of the Anthropocene." So why is that? So I think mainly it's because. Our power has developed to a great extent and has brought um, some development to our world and grow the complexity of our world. But we have not invested the same amount of efforts into growing our wisdom, our consciousness, to be able to make good use of this power and to be able to deal with the complexity of the world. So as the Dalai Lama said, the fundamental problem is that at every level, we are giving too much attention to the external material aspects of life while neglecting moral ethics and inner values. So that's why, you know, even the Earth Charter is saying about uh, a change of a spiritual nature, a change of mind and heart. So I think there is also a growing recognition that we need a new development paradigm. The one uh, focused on economic growth is really no longer working. And there's a, a broad recognition that we need uh, a more sustainable, qualitative, human, or integral development. I think, and beyond all these different uh, categories, there is a fundamental orientation, mainly from having to what I would call being. And as the Earth Charter said 20 years ago, when basic needs have been met, human development is primarily about being more, not having more. So I was looking for what is a spiritual or wisdom-based approach to development, and I think I found out in this uh, sentence, and I would even argue that even uh, being more is needed to uh, secure basic needs uh, for everyone. Uh, and I think this is coherent with the cultural evolution we observed in, in uh, rich country over the last decades, uh, according to uh, Ingelhardt, which is a, a leading scientist on that field who say that in these uh, countries, we have seen a move from materialism to post-materialism and more fundamentally from survival to self-expression, which of course echoes very much in all this being uh, focused. Well, the politics of being is uh, this wisdom-based approach informed by science, which uh, consider being as our main collective goal. And I would say even means because we, you know, spiritual teachings tell, tell us that we can't separate the means from, from the goals. And by being, we mean uh, the fulfillment of all beings. So not only human beings, but also uh, all living beings. And so the, the rights of nature, for example, are part of this general concept of the politics of being. And what we mean by uh, being is a very simple definition, which uh, combines, you know, our both our truest being, you know, who we really are, with our highest being, the, the virtues and qualities. So there is this um, sentence from the book, which says the politics of being aims at aligning all institutions with our true reason to be here on earth, becoming who we are, the best and most complete version of ourselves. So what if, you know, our societies, if we can get organized to uh, provide um, uh, a good um, environment, context for uh, being. 
and favorable or constitution bringing favorable conditions for being and that can um, cultivate individuals that are not only flourishing and uh, and more sustainable but have also you know the wisdom uh, to adapt constantly adapt and refine this institution so that we can uh, enter a virtuous cycle so often you know when we talk about this change of consciousness uh, we often uh, take a bottom-up approach like focusing on individuals and how their own uh, personal journey may bring change uh, for good into the world here the focus is more about okay what uh, how can our institutions embody this change of consciousness and facilitate it and um, I build on the work for example of um, of Elinor Ostrom who has been the first uh, uh, woman to receive the Nobel Prize in economics and when she received that Nobel Prize she said the main lesson she learned throughout her work was that um, or we have often assumed that our that uh, human beings are selfish and competitive and through our institutions we tend to enact this uh, assumption and she said on the contrary the main learning for her was that uh, institution should um, bring out the best in humans so if we try to solve our uh, institutions through uh, this um, paradigm of assuming we're all selfish and competitive and we need to find um, uh, solve our problems through this paradigm we're kind of creating a bigger problem so institutions should not only de deliver results in their own fields but also cultivate really the, the virtues and qualities of a human being. So I've, I, I've tried to identify, you know, where are the seeds of this emerging uh, new development paradigm, the politics of being. And I found it, I think, in some uh, communities, both uh, scientific communities, but also social change communities, which I found organizing around uh, what I call spiritual values. So there are those that are more on systemic and complex thinking. Uh, there are, uh, and all of these, you know, uh, these values has become the subject of science and are entering the political field. So uh, there are those um, saying that we should organize uh, in, in harmony with how nature works, uh, for example, in the regeneration movement, uh, those focusing on happiness. And we have an example of Bhutan, you know, which pioneered this concept of the gross national happiness. Uh, around love, like the, the charter for compassion, and whether there's a lot of compassionate cities, you know, uh, working on a, from that perspective. Uh, peace or culture of peace, which has been, you know, there have been a UN resolution on that, etc. Mindfulness, there is a, a fantastic document called the UK Mindful Nation that has been proposed by a lot of members of parliament in the UK to harness the potential of mindfulness in uh, public policies in different sectors. And finally, I have one called mystery, where uh, just acknowledging that a more advanced civilization would look deeper, including through science, within the mystery of our lives. And some people, you know, see um, quantum physics, for example, as a door of um, for um, spirituality somehow. Uh, and uh, trying to make sense about what bring together, I said, you know, uh, these different fields. I feel these are all spiritual values, and as such, they reflect. Uh, a perfection uh, and and we could say even uh, God and there's a tradition also in philosophy uh, where for example since Plato truth goodness and beauty has been uh, recognized as a good uh, uh, the foundations for the good society and later on even the um, uh, Catholic Church have said that these values are indeed a reflection of God and some other philosophers uh, Hegel for example have seen that Freedom is a fundamental human quality and a reflection of the spirit. So I think all of these spiritual values as uh, are a reflection of spirit and they grow in importance in our societies as our, spirit, as our, our, our societies um, get more, um, um, more advanced, developed, let's say, uh, from a spiritual uh, standpoint. Uh, so... Thomas, I'm so sorry yes. to do this, but I, I hate to interrupt your train of thought. But we actually don't if we actually don't see your PowerPoint correctly. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Uh, I know that you're referencing from, from it. the beginning, or uh, we just see 
we don't see the presentation. We see like the screen behind it that you would edit the PowerPoint in. Ah, okay. I see. Um, let me see. Uh, is I that, no, it's not better. Uh, maybe just reshare your screen. Yeah, I'll try again. Okay, let's see. Well, strange. Maybe this one. Does that work better? Yes, or? that's perfect. Thank you so much. I'm so sorry to okay. interrupt you. Yeah. You're welcome. Thank you, Michael. Yeah. So uh, just to say that this is a bit uh, the, the methods I've used that all of these spiritual values I've mentioned have uh, we can derive from science and from uh, social change initiatives that are rooted in them, specific policy agenda in many sectors. So I don't have the time to go into details, but just to, to, to tell you that we can come and all these policies are actually already implemented. So it's already happening. It's not, not necessarily seen as part of a, the common agenda around being, but uh, uh, what, what I propose in this book, in this work, is a very concrete approach based mainly on existing examples uh, in all uh, different uh, sectors. So um, just to say that, you know, these principles of unity and diversity is uh, very important from the, uh, because the values of the politics of beings are universal so that they can provide the ground for the world unification. Uh, but at the same time, each uh, nation, each culture have their own uh, connection to, um, to this, uh, their own vision of the good life and thus of the politics of being. And, um, and they need to internationally to reconnect to its own traditional wisdom and uh, perform uh, a kind of recapitulation or collective psychological assessment to reconnect to their souls and rediscovering their uh, purpose and their, their role into this uh, great transition we are called to, uh, to do on Earth. So uh, very quickly as a conclusion, uh, the importance of healing traumas at both individual and collective level uh, as a gateway to being. Basically, healthy individuals uh, tend to do good and there's uh, more and more science that uh, showcase that. So that's the kind of theory of change, you know. Um, wisdom and science are the pillar of the politics of being. Uh, you know, science cannot tell us, you know, what's our purpose, uh, what's the direction of our society. And we need uh, really to have a balanced discussion, integrating wisdom in uh, this kind of political discussion. Uh, I think I've proposed strong, rational, understandable by decision makers and average citizens, and providing a simple but integrative uh, conceptual framework so that you know all these different uh, movements that can seem a bit disconnected can come together around this uh, broader umbrella of being. Uh, concrete policy recommendation based on existing examples, easily replicable, as I've said. And uh, as, as some people have said, I think it's trying to help define a field of research and action. And it's a collective endeavor, so you're very much welcome to uh, connect and, and, and contribute. So, um, and that's a final slide. Uh, the, the book comes with a foreword by uh, Mathieu Ricard and has received a lot of uh, endorsements by different thought leaders, whether uh, spiritual thought leaders, political thought leaders, like here Federico Mayer, the former director general of UNESCO, or, um, or uh, scientific also uh, leaders, because there's a lot of, of science into that. So that was just a very quick uh, introduction. Uh, I'm really happy to, to share with you and discuss this, uh, these aspects. Well, Thomas, thank you for that. That was a wonderful introduction um, to the work and the contribution you're making, but also a fabulous um, sort of outline of really, in a sense, welcome, but just a whole group of people's understanding of spirituality. Um, it really, spirituality, I like you began by, you, you mentioned the spiritual evolution taking place and something that I've never really thought about but i thought it was a really wonderful thought that 
we put so much in it. You imagine the human energy, the intellect, the thought, the power, the wealth that goes into this idea of material development, gross domestic product. What's happening now is only now are we beginning to, just at the early stages of putting the similar depth of focus into moral values, ethics, in fact, into spirituality. And this is the this is the really important transformation. So just to hear what you think about spirituality and the sort of energy of the human family, the energy from the universal civilization that is going into the spiritualizing of matter would be interesting. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Um, yeah, I think my vision of spirituality echoed very much what I've heard at the beginning of, uh, of this meeting uh, uh, about being and our, our oneness, right? And, uh, and that echoes my definition of being that I've started to, to present is that to me, uh, spirituality is um, the science, the art and practice of inner transformation. It's about mm -hmm. connecting with our, you know, you say maybe the, your language could be the one soul, right? As you, as you put it. Uh, and so as our true nature, right? And from this true nature, we, uh, we emanate the human uh, qualities uh, that uh, I've mentioned, for example, uh, that I use at the collective level, you know, happiness, love, peace, understanding, uh, life, uh, etc. right? So there is to me, and I, I use this simple definition, but it's quite, um, uh, it's quite interesting because there is one dimension that is, uh, if you bring that into more uh, uh, at the social level, there is one dimension that is, I call it simply becoming who we are. So that's more subjective. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and the other one can be a little bit more objective, which are about the uh, human virtues, values, qualities, right? <laughs> and, and there's always a bit of tension between both. Sometimes, you know, society wants people to, to, to be good and tend to uh, uh, not allow them to be themselves, right? So uh, I manage these two, these two aspects that goes together, but recognizing that, you know, both uh, are very uh, legitimate, right? and complement each other. So, and yeah, I could say even, you know, that uh, to, more, to me being is, uh, I mean, my own words I use, for example, interbeing, which is another vision of yeah. oneness uh, that we use here in the, um, the, in the Plum Village teachings of then master Thich Nhat Hanh. Now it talks about, and uh, all simply said, you know, from a more uh, scientific, uh, a secular uh, worldview, we could talk about simply being, we are relational beings that you exactly. also mentioned, right? At the beginning of this, uh, mm -hmm. of this meeting. And there's a lot of, of science that tells us, and that's what I use in my kind of theory of change, you know, because we are relational beings, because we are one, the more we become who we are, the better person we are also becoming. Mm -hmm. And that's why, you know, by becoming who we are, we could uh, spiritualize ourselves. Uh, we can also spiritualize the world and uh, you know, provide the basis for solving you know, most of the, mm -hmm. of the problems we are, we are facing, right? Thank you so much, Thomas. Just uh, sort of now to bring that down to the more mundane level, I was wondering if you could share some more, and you sort of touched on them in your presentation, but maybe if you could just share what you think are some of the most important like concrete developments in the world or maybe in in the area of, of your work with with UNDP that are um, sort of beginning to reflect this sort of change in consciousness which you advocate for? Sure. Um, so I'm uh, leading an initiative at the moment uh, in UNDP which is called the Conscious Food Systems Alliance. I'll try to put a link uh, to it yeah. uh, there. And we are focusing, and it's quite uh, unique uh, right now in the, in the UN system, we are focusing on inner capacities as a complementary approach for, uh, in that case, food systems transformation. And uh, we, have, we see that, uh, and we have been launched, uh, we have started to work at the same time than, for example, the inner development goals, who are one of our partners 
and they make the case that to achieve the sustainable development goals, we need to uh, uh, develop certain qualities and skills, right? So uh, I think there is a lot of uh, momentum right now around this idea that we really need a change of consciousness, almost simply said, you know, change of mindsets, even the UN uh, Secretary General have been said that, you know, at the bottom uh, line is about changing our mindsets, right? It's about coming together, collaborate, and what we need for that is a different uh, mindset. And I see, you know, more and more people I work with in UNDP, uh, including at the leadership level, uh, really recognizing that. Uh, and we're trying to offer also a different space to, 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 to have our conversation much more connected, much uh, safe space, more personal, mm. uh, uh, to have deeper discussion. And we feel like when we open this space, uh, uh, people can feel entitled and we discover there are more and more people uh, than we should uh, than we should have thought that are ready to join this kind of discussion are really. Um, but the fact is that, you know, uh, most of the time in their organization, they don't feel entitled to, to do so. So um, I'm also, uh, and some of you here maybe also uh, engage in um, this initiative about building uh, um, a unitive cluster in the uh, UN uh, major group, uh, NGO major group. So, you know, I see a lot of these different initiatives trying to bring um, in the UN, UN space, uh, you know, these, uh, these aspects, you know, how we can uh, bring the inner dimension into a work. In the, in the book also I've also mapped, uh, you know, certain uh, doors that are already opened around, you know, for example, the culture of peace, or uh, this initiative about harmony with nature. Uh, so there are different uh, entry points in the UN system for this, uh, for this, um, for this perspective. The, Thomas, just a point, I noticed from the chat, someone asked for the, you know, you have the, the map of the world divided up into the, on the global values surveys, mm -hmm. um, has asked to see that again. Is there somewhere, um, that's on your website, I think, isn't it? That somebody uh, could. Yeah, I can know, share. I mean, you can share the. Slide. You can share the presentation. Okay. Uh, I can Perfect. share. Um, there's Perfect. A, it's a map that is also online. It's called. I can give you, and if you Google it, I can just give you the name. Uh, it's a famous. Um, uh, uh, the Ingle Art Welser Cultural Map of the World. So I may paste that in the. Perfect. in the chat so that people can find it easy also easily online it's a, it's based on the world value survey and it shows uh how um uh, in terms of cultural evolution we see very clear cultural blocks and that shows how cultural heritage is very much enduring and uh <laughs> and, we, and that's my point is that because it's so enduring we need to come back to that and what I said, you know, reconnect with our culture, with uh, the traditions, the traditional wisdom that are at the root of these cultures to be able to, to foster this evolution because it's past dependent, uh, as they say. It's in a way the, the, the recognition of the value of diversity, the actually the huge importance of diversity is the same as the huge importance of individual development. Uh, I mean, exactly. You know, um, the, the, that's how we, that's how well-being grows. It's the, the Global Happiness Report, the annual report is another sign of, I just love this thing of where now more and more human energy of thought, particularly mind, mind is being poured into how the hell do you start to see process and movement in the spirituality and the um, the sort of values of every town, my town, my community, and so on, the it's one of the ways reasons why Invocable focuses on goodwill. So, to sort of target then and think t in a targeted way, how to we know goodwill is present in the human heart um, in a multitude of ways. So, how in institutions do you begin to shift the focus where the priority or priority is given to the energy of goodwill um, and then see where it, because it could lead anywhere and it's both left and right. I mean, it's not 
one particular thing. It's um, the tell us more about the Conscious Food Alliance because that to me is an interesting um, process. It's almost like presencing, mindfulness, all of these approaches we don't notice, but they are moving into the center of where policy is beginning to be designed. What do you see the role of the Conscious Food Alliance? How do you imagine in say 10 years time that what impact will that alliance be having on policy, do you think? <laughs> yes, we, we really see ourselves as pioneer that uh, kind of um, are sending the signals that it is possible you know, to uh, have this kind of discussion and it is indeed very much necessary and that um, you know, we need to uh, harness, uh, we need to integrate, you know, for, for change, we need to integrate the work on inner change. And that is, um, and, and we hope, you know, that more and more there are uh, uh, different UN agencies, uh, etc., will uh, adopt that different organization and they are more and more doing it. Uh, and we hope to be able to pave the way for, for that, mm -hmm. to demonstrate that indeed, this will make the rest of our work much more effective, much exactly. more impactful. Exactly. Um, so it, it has come from the recognition, you know, our team in this food and agriculture team in UNDP, uh, they have worked a lot beyond, you know, the, the what of transformation. They have started to work more and more on the how, uh, yeah. or, uh, especially about multi-stakeholders collaboration. Mm -hmm. And after 10 years doing that, they just realized that <laughs> we don't work on the inner dimension, uh, uh, we are not enough impactful in terms of collaboration and then in terms of you know the other change we want to see in the world so yeah it I also think we, it, it also touches on you know your focus on mystery which i really like in that chart it's very important to put mystery and for practitioners of any any re, if it's a real path um begin to know something about the work of radiation and so in an organization like UNDP, but any institution in our local town, the, the sort of environment department, any institution that begins to think in terms of moving deeper um, in relationships and the quality of relationships that are the responsibility. There's a mysterious quality of radiation um, that practitioners know about um, and is in itself a significant, a really significant part of um, why this work is so important. Yes, definitely. And it's interesting from mystery talking about radiation because indeed I, the chapter, the title on that, I've called it light, but found out mm -hmm. that sometimes yes. people are uh, when you read the, the, the chapter, you understand why, but that's why I use maybe mystery as it's more uh, understandable. And I, I, I call it light because uh, really having more like the subtle dimension. And uh, each of these, to me, as I said, each of these spiritual value are kind of a name for God somehow, you know. Exactly. Uh, exactly. But you say, you know, yeah. and just people say, oh, great mystery, you know, and we, we talk about the divine light, etc. And uh, And yeah, I think, you know, the what especially we see that, you know, in groups meetings, you know, the kind of energy we are working with uh, really uh, activate different uh, outcomes of the meetings. You know, if we start with an intention, if we start with a moment of, uh, of a, with a centering exercise, uh, if we manifest, you know, some of the values we want to work with, uh, the uh, outcome of the meetings and discussions uh, is probably very different. And we have also some uh, some people working with us that have said, you know, they have been uh, attracted by the kind of energy they were. And I, I, I'm thinking about someone who said, uh, frankly, I was a bit doubtful before entering into, into your work, but there was a kind of gut feeling that I should be part of this journey and I joined and then it uh, somehow almost changed your life, I would say, and the work she does now with her, with her team and bringing our meditation, yeah. et cetera. Yeah inner teams work so yeah people can uh, 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 be very receptive to to that kind of uh, energy I talk about you know, in the politics of being I talk about also uh, this subtle dimension how does that manifest in terms of public policies 
Uh, I talk about, for example, uh, the importance of seeing uh, the earth as a living being and uh, who has also uh, sacred sites. And, you know, there's a kind of subtle medicine that indigenous people knows well, you know, mm. how to nurture certain uh, sacred sites to um, that the earth is a living being uh, and different um, different uh, places uh, act or sometimes indigenous people uh, consider different places, different continents as a kind of organ of uh, a living being that is the earth. And uh, as, as the same, we have energetic medicine for humans. Uh, they have energetic medicine for the earth through their ceremonies for uh, nourishing sacred sites, for example. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, a more conscious humanity would consider that. I've been personally involved, for example, in the work of someone that was able to, to bring back the rain into some uh, desertic areas mm -hmm. uh, because of that knowledge. So these are the uh, things that I think will uh, maybe become relevant uh, in the future as we are dealing with, uh, with climate change, for example. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Thomas. We're we're about coming to the end of the webinar. Unfortunately, it feels like we're just finally getting started, and we have to end. Um, but I just want to before we before we end, we do we do have a little bit of time. I just want to say we have lots of great comments and uh, questions and inquiries in the chat. We won't really have time to get to them today. So, uh, Thomas, I I can send these to you afterward by email if you'd like. Sure. Sure. And uh, everybody, of course, is free to to read them, lots of some questions about, about finance, about uh, AI, um, some other, lots of great comments as well. Um, but just, just to close, Thomas, I'd like to pose you one additional question. Um, if you could, you know, today there's this, uh, there's a lot of, uh, there's a sort of a global feeling in a lot of public discourse about this time in our, in humanity's uh, history this time being one of great um, sort of crisis. And um, a lot of people are, I think, taking, and, and especially a lot of people on the spiritual path I've seen as well, really falling into despair and sort of losing hope because they see the state of things not quite going how they had hoped it would go. Or they think perhaps that we should be further along than we currently are. And so, I'd like to ask you, you know, what advice would you give to, say, an intelligent person of, of goodwill who, you know, is working along one of these lines, whether it's NGO or some other area where they're just trying to, you know, integrate spiritual principles into their work, you know, what, what advice would you give them for being able to maintain hope and maintain positivity and vision in their work? Um, so I would first say that, um, just to add the understanding that crises are natural part of evolution, right? We, uh, uh, for us to evolve and often, especially when it's to, to, to make big leap, uh, we need to be forced sometimes. And that's what we are, we are being forced nowadays as humanity to, to change our ways uh, very uh, profoundly. And without these uh, crises, uh, existential crises, I would say, we will probably not make that uh, big leap we are, we are evolutionary leap we are called to do. Uh, the second one I think would be to, to say that uh, take a bit of perspective and just realize that uh, maybe the, the most important point is not so much about whether or not or to what extent you know societies will collapse but more about will we be able to make that spiritual evolution that uh, you know has been long awaited and I think that's the main uh, crucial point. And finally, I would say uh, that uh, what is very important is uh, to be able to, uh, and that's to be able to nourish uh, hope and positivity. Just remember that we are conditioned. So if we only look at what goes wrong, etc., cetera, uh, inevitably we fall into despair. So it's a kind of uh, discipline every day to be able to be nourished uh, by you know what we see, what we hear, what we do, uh, in a way that will uh, cultivate you know the, the good seeds in us, the seeds of hope and uh, and optimism. Mm. Thank you so much, Thomas. Great response <laughs> and great presentation. It's been great having you here. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, Thank so you very much, Michael, Steve. Thank you. We'll go ahead and, and just close you. with the. Uh,
close with a moment of silence, I think, and then we'll conclude, all right? Thank you.